Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. Is getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. That's what I always say. You always follow the money. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSEN. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into this Thanksgiving edition of Follow the Money presented by DraftKings. Know your eyes and ears do not deceive you. This is not the voice of Mitch Moss or Polly Howard, but uh, appreciate you letting us hold down the fort. I'm Stormy Bonantoni alongside three-time Super Bowl winning executive and strategist, former NFL GM Michael Lombardi. Uh, you can catch us every weekday on the Lombardi line, 1 to 3 Eastern weekends, 10 to noon here on VEASAN and DraftKings Network. But, Michael, you know, we talked about this yesterday. This is my favorite day of the year. I am so excited. Happy Thanksgiving yeah. to you, my friend. Same to you, Stormy. Thank you so much. Thank you for getting up early. Thanks for Mitch and Paul for allowing us to slide in this slot slot so they can get a good morning sleep, something they're not used to doing very often. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. We've got... I mean, I love the fact we finally got the night game. I mean, I don't know how many years ago that happened, 10 years ago, but three days of football. The Egg Bowl, too. We also have that. I mean, think about it. The Egg Bowl tonight. And so it's, it's just a great day, and we have a lot to be thankful for especially in my family and I'm sure in yours everywhere. So it's a great day to celebrate. And what better way to celebrate than with football? Yeah, no question. Food, family, football, all the things. And I heard you even before we came on air, Michael, rocking out to a little Bruce Springsteen to get your Thanksgiving going darkness on the edge of town. I always do that. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge darkness fan. And so, uh, you know, it's just, it's kind of a tradition. I, I listen to that pretty much every day. So, and I like it when he does it over in London and then, of course, race it in the street. So it's like that that album is kind of perfectly written. It's perfectly crafted. And so for me, it's just a good way to get my day going. See, maybe this makes and me. My phone's ringing too early in the morning. Too, how already people call and you see. And Michael, what I was going to say is, you know this about me. One of my pet peeves about Thanksgiving for this being my favorite holiday of the entire year. I love that we've got football wall to wall on our TV all day today, tomorrow, our first Black Friday game, all the college football that we're going to have. I love this day. I love everything about it, except for the unsolicited text from the phone number that you don't <laughs> recognize and you're in a group chat wishing you you happy Thanksgiving yeah. or it's the person from high school that hasn't talked to you since the last time they wished you Merry Christmas yeah. a year ago. We don't need those. We can do away with it. It's fine. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, Russo, I was watching him because I'm always monitoring him, figuring always. out where he's going to go with his picks on Friday. And he went on this epic rant about how he hates Thanksgiving, how he has to go to his in-laws house and he can't sit on his couch after his jog and then go. And he just wants to watch football all day, you know? And, and, and there's a lot of truth to that. Like sometimes, you know, these these Thanksgiving get togethers where there's a bunch of strangers, you just want to watch football. You know, you just want to watch the game. And so it does become. And then the random text. OK, I haven't heard from you in 20 years. And now you're texting me. Happy Thanksgiving. How did, how did you get my number? That's the thing. That's what I'm saying. I I'm mean, like, added, clearly, you see, I didn't respond to the Merry Christmas because I don't recognize the phone number. But you're hitting me with the Happy Thanksgiving a year later down the road. Yeah. We don't need it. We're good. Don't send me pictures of your food either. It's OK. I've got my own. I'm fine. Yeah. But 
it's a. I don't need that. I don't need that. That's right. <laughs> but we got a great couple hours on tap here today. Again, appreciate the guys letting us step in. A heavy NFL focus today. Deep dives into all three of the Thanksgiving games coming up today. We got injury updates, betting trends, all the need to know line movement. Also, some great guests on tap coming up. Um, Josh Ingles, betting analyst of covers.com. He'll join us at the top of hour two. Then at 830 Eastern, Ian McMillan of Bet Sided, giving some of his best bets for the weekend. And in the final hour, like you have every Every Thursday here on Follow the Money, Mike Palm, VP of Operations here at Circa Resort and Casino. He's going to join us for that full hour. So you're going to get your Thanksgiving no hyperbole. I know a lot of people were wondering, so we're making sure we get that to the people. So, Michael, as we set the table for these Thanksgiving games, some quick stats. Historically, this has been a big day for favorites since 2006. Favorites of a touchdown or more on Thanksgiving. 21 and two straight up. 17 and six ATS hitting at 65%. And all three of the games match that. The Lions are now up to eight. San Francisco laying a seven here. And how about those Dallas Cowboys up from nine and a half to 13 and a half point favorite this morning against the Commanders? You know, I, I, have, I didn't see that, right? You know, and I understand that favorites with at least 60% of the tickets today yep. are 22-8 and eight against the spread. So I, I get why the public is all over these. But when you peel it back and you look at the Cowboys and their inability on Thanksgiving Day to, to play well, to cover the number and get backdoor covered like they did last year by the Giants. I mean, the Cowboys are 5-9 and nine on Thanksgiving Day against the spread since 2005. So, you know, all the other teams are 29 and 9. But I think what's moving this line is that Dak is usually pretty good against bad teams, right? You know, one of the things that I, this is not, they can only play who they play, right? You can't change the schedule. But when Dak gets a secondary that's as bad as this one in Washington, he usually has a great game. And I think we see that against bad teams. He's 34 and 10 straight up. He's 30-13 against the spread for teams that are under 500. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, and, and six games this season where the Dallas Cowboys have won by 20 or more points, including the last two games they've had at home where they've won by 30-plus. So the Cowboys at home have been a good bet. They have won 12 straight at home. But you mentioned that 1-11 covering on Thanksgiving the last 12 games. It's pretty remarkable to hear out loud. Meanwhile, the Detroit Lions, Michael, they've lost their last six on Thanksgiving. But they're one of the hottest teams in the NFL this year um, in terms of the games that they have won. I know it's been life and death each of the last two weeks, but now an eight-point favorite. This is the first game of the day, 9.30 Pacific time kickoff, 12.30 Eastern on Fox. Lions off to their best start, Michael, in 61 years. Can they drop the trend, though, and not only win, but cover this big number today against Green Bay? Well, look, they're a, they're a scoring machine typically. They have a great offense, and when they have balance within their team, when they can run the football effectively, they ran for 220 yards the last time these two teams played. So when they can run the ball and they can dominate in the run game, that opens up their whole play-action pass and game. And look, let's face it, no one's been more profitable than Jared Goff as a quarterback on – you know, he's been able to cover. He's been a covering machine. If you've bet golf since he's come to Detroit, you've made a lot of money. And so, you know, with the fact that they can run the ball for over 200 yards in the first game, he's going to make a lot of throws. Plus, the Packers are not healthy, right? They say Devontae Campbell will play today, right? Will Rudy Ford play in the secondary? He was kind of iffy. We know they put Luke Musgrave, their, their very good rookie tight end on IR, Aaron Jones isn't going to go. They're signing, they're signing running backs from other teams. Patrick Taylor, had they had to bring him in because he was with them this summer. He was on New England's practice squad. I think it's going to be a little harder. And, look, Jordan Love played well last week. But last week, all due respect to Brendan Staley's analysis of his defense, <laughs> that Charger defense isn't very good. This, this Lions defense can get some pressure up front with their rush. Michael, what are you talking about? The, the Chargers defense, the system works. Don't you, didn't you hear the system works? Yeah. Um, but- I know. I, I, I just haven't been able to see it, but I believe him. Trust me. You know, <laughs> I believe him. I, I'm going to take his word for it after three years. I'm just going to believe him, right? You know, and I say that, and, you know, when we do Sunday, I mean, I probably think that the Chargers at three and a half is a good play because, look, let's face it about the Chargers. They always play close games. They just don't win them. 
Yep, that that field goal. That they're a team where that hook seems to come and play more often than any any other in the NFL this year. Yes. But to go back to this Packers Lions yeah. game, Michael, you mentioned no Aaron Jones, obviously with the MCL, he's week to week right now. But even their RB two AJ Dillon, he's been limited at practice, dealing with a, a little bit of a groin issue himself. Um, also, a couple of their wide receivers, Dontavian Wicks, who led the Packers in receiving against LA, he's questionable today, a little dinged up. Jaden Reed is fine, but he's been limited, and another guy in that back and Jair Alexander questionable with the shoulder. So, you know, dealing with a lot of injuries. They had 17 guys on that practice report this week dealing with something. Meanwhile, this Lions team is completely healthy with the exception of their left guard, Jonah Jackson, who they're kind of used to playing without. He's missed four of their last five games. And Michael, I know um, instead of my cousin Vinny, you've got your cousin Vince, Big Daddy, as we call him on the Lombardi line. I imagine he'll be watching very closely with you, big Packers fan. Very much so. Complaining, uh, the game starts at 1230. He will start complaining at 1230 and 30 seconds about the game and how they're going to lose. Okay. And there'll be no, there'll be, it'll be three hours of complete misery, complaining and negativity that you've never seen before in your entire life. The negativity that just goes in it and the first bad play, poor Matt LaFleur, he's going to get hammered. And Big Daddy's concerned about when, you know, if you notice, Matt LaFleur gets a haircut every week. Oh, I yeah. mean, he's got it buzzed up perfectly, so which annoys Big Daddy to no end. Like, how does he have time to get a haircut? <laughs> I work in construction. I don't have time to get a haircut. Well, maybe at the construction site, they don't have their own barber. I'm sure that the Packers probably have a team barber, <laughs> yeah, right? So he's getting faded do, up. Right? Yeah. I remember I remember Aaron Rodgers at one point, he he was very high on Matt LaFleur's eyebrows. He was like, oh, man, the eyebrow game even, the way that he's got those lined up is perfect. Um, but, Michael, I, I think this game is going to be an interesting one. You know I am a big teaser lady, so I loved oh, the, the Lions in a teaser. What did you go ahead and do? What did you do? Even did you now tease? What number did you tease down? So I teased it down earlier. I basically have the Lions and San Francisco 49ers teased together to win. So the, the Lions, I actually need them to get over one point, but... Like, essentially, I'm just counting on the Lions and the 49ers to win. It paid out better than a money line parlay. And that's that's my biggest bet of the day by far. And so I know that it is tough to trust a road division favorite, but I love San Francisco against Geno Smith, who's a little bit dinged up with the tricep injury. I love the health factor and the coach and quarterback benefit that the Lions are going to have against Green Bay. And like I said, I know it's been life and death for the Lions each of the last two weeks. I think that this is a bad matchup for the Packers and that the Lions should roll. Yeah, I do too. And and look, the the one thing we do know is the Lions got their turnovers, I think, out of their system last week against yeah. Chicago. And the only way the Packers don't win this game is they're going to need turnovers. And if the Lions protect the ball, they will cover. Jared Goff, his three interceptions last week, that was by far, at least in my memory, the worst game that he had for 56 minutes in a Lions uniform. But he made up for it on those last couple of drives, didn't need to go on and win the game. All right, we got to step aside. We'll get back to talking about those Dallas Cowboys who are 1-11 ATS, their last 12 Thanksgiving games, laying a big number. More on Follow the Money when we return with Michael Lombardi and Storm Antonio. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with 
people in an unscripted, unvarnished way is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't become a VEASAN Pro subscriber yet, what are you doing? Now is a great chance to sign up, though, and save. Sign up on our Brack Flight Friday special today. You'll get VEASAN Pro access to everything we do from now through May 1st. Only 60 bucks. Sign up. You get daily best bets, unlimited access to our exclusive betting splits, premium analysis, and 24-7 video, plus all our betting guides and best bets for the upcoming college bowl season, the Super Bowl, and March Madness. Don't miss out. This is our best new subscriber offer of the year. vsin.com slash subscribe is where you can do it. It's our Black Friday special, vsin.com slash subscribe. Michael Lombardi and Stormy Tony in for the guys to welcome you back to follow the money. And Michael, I know that the show Friends takes a, a pretty far back seat for you in the line of shows you like. It's no Sopranos. It's no The Wire. But... Friends is always top of mind for me on this holiday because Ross on the show famously like gets really, really upset when somebody takes his leftovers turkey sandwich because it's got <laughs> this gravy soaked piece of bread in the middle that they call the moist maker. Yeah. Right now, I want to talk Cowboys Commanders, which is the middle game of the day. It's our moist maker of the day. We need this game. We love this game. And the the line has shifted significantly from nine and a half now to 13 and a half. These Dallas Cowboys favored. You know, this game for me is a memory game. You know, there's uh, sometimes music spurs a memory of your of your youth. And these two teams always spur a memory of my youth because I can remember being a young kid and I was a huge Washington Redskin fan when it was that when they were that. And you could say that Uh, because in 1969, when Vince Lombardi, who was my hero, no relation, went to become the coach there. And so when he left Green Bay, I, I became a Washington fan. Now, Big Daddy, my cousin, he stayed a Packer fan. And that's, he's been one ever since. So growing up, I, I was a Washington fan. And, and when Roger Staubach was scrambling down in Dallas Stadium and he got hit by Dyron Talbert and, and he was just a little groggy. You know, back then they didn't protect the quarterback at all. He had to come out of the game and I was so relieved. I was like, I didn't want Roger to get hurt, but I didn't want him to keep playing either because it gave us a chance to win the game. And Clint Longley comes in off the bench, and I don't know who Clint Longley is. There's no internet. You can't research any of these players. And so I'm thinking, okay, we got this one in the bank. I'll keep eating. I'm a fat kid. I'll keep eating. And, of course, what does happens? Clint Longley leads them from behind, throwing touchdown passes to Drew Pearson, ruined my Thanksgiving, didn't want us to go to school on Monday. So every time these two teams play on Thanksgiving, I kind of go back to my aunt's house where I watch this game and think, oh, my God. And when I got into the league, Stormy, every time there was a quarterback that changed, I always thought of Clint Longley. And today I'll think of him often because he made such great plays. I'm sure they'll show the highlights of it. It's just it's one of those memories you can't get out of your head. What a great story. Meanwhile, Michael, in, in my lifetime, the the big one that comes to mind for me on Thanksgiving is the butt fumble. So your story is a little bit cooler than, than mine. <laughs> yeah, the butt fumble, too, is good now. Yeah, it, that, that's a good one, too. 
that kind of destroyed the Jets' season, didn't it? I mean, that was the end of that, right? There were some, you know, Rex was talking a big game, and all of a sudden that butt fumble just put the end to all that. J-E-T-S just end the season, right? That's the go-to for that franchise year after year, unfortunately, even this year, is we'll get the Tim Boyle experience coming up tomorrow, but we'll we'll dive oh into my. that game a little bit later. But first, Michael, let's, let's dive into this game today. Um, Cowboys fresh off, dominant back-to-back wins now against the Green Bay Packers and against the Giants, um, now facing another lesser-than opponent here in Washington, a commander's team that we saw last week turn the ball over six times, including a back-breaking pick six from Sam Howell to close things out, and allowed Tommy DeVito to throw for three touchdowns and 246 yards. If he can do that, what is Dak Prescott going to do today? Yeah, and he got sacked nine times in the game, which Dak won't do today. And, you know, look, this Washington team, because of the two tra- the trades, trading Chase Young to San Francisco and trade Montez Sweat to Chicago, they've lost their edge play, right? They don't have it. And they really can't get pressure, which compounds the problem of their secondary, right? They can't really defend the forward pass, big problem, you know. And so now, you know, they're in a situation where they can't get pressure and they can't cover. Not a good place to be. And Dallas the way Mike McCarthy has called the games this year, they've actually thrown the ball more than they have in the past. They've thrown it a little bit more, but they control the ball. They're one of the best teams on third down. They're the third best team in third down offense this year. And so they're able to keep control of the football. They've played 32, 30 minutes of, of offensive football. They've played almost 100 plays more than their defense. And to me, that's exactly the model you want to have because you want it to play great defense, you need to play less defense. And this Cowboy defense, when they're only playing 27 minutes and they're playing from in front, man, are they good. And what, where the Cowboys have been interesting. Now, I know they haven't beaten you know, Philadelphia and they lost a, 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 a game. they've gotten blown out by San Francisco. But what they've been able to do this year is they've been able to dominate the second quarter. They've scored 118 points in the second quarter. It's reminiscent of Philadelphia last season. And by scoring 118 points, they they score 19.3 points in the first half. They only allow 8.8. So they're going into halftime with an 11-point lead. What does that mean for us? It means when they get the lead, they can then rush the passer. And they can take advantage of their strength, which is their pass rush, against a Washington team which has no real ability to pass protect leading the league in sacks. Yeah, the Cowboys have generated pressure a league-high 39% of dropbacks, and Sam Howell has been taken down to the turf 51 times this year. No other quarterback more than 40, I believe. So it's uh, it's been pretty ridiculous the rate with which he has been sacked. I feel like it's going to be an uphill battle for them all game in this spot. Also, as far as an injury update goes, Washington's Antonio Gibson might have a chance to return. He missed practice all of last week, missed the game, but been limited this week, and the expectation is he's going to be a game-time decision. So you'll get Brian Robinson, no Alex Arma, and potentially Antonio Gibson back in this spot. So you talk about how Dallas has been able to put up around 20 points in the first half of games, Michael. Their team total today is 30 and a half, and they've gone over their team total in all four of their home games this year. They've scored 43-plus in each of the last two against the Rams and the Giants. How many points do you think they're capable of today? Well, they're going against a defense that leads the league in the most points allowed against them. I mean, the, 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 the commanders, which, you know, for me, I really like the commanders on the over seven and a half. And I can remember doing Bill Simmons podcast this summer. And he's like, I don't trust Ron Rivera. I don't trust Jack Del Rio. You may they may look good on paper, but I can't trust them. He ended up being right because the numbers last year, Stormy, were fascinating. They really were. And what I was basing my theory on why they were going to go the overtotal was the fact that last year they were seventh in points allowed. They were third in yards allowed. They were the first. They were the best defense on third down in the National Football League last year. They were the eighth best defense in the National Football League in red zone defense last year. So how did it get? How did it get so bad? Like, they've added players. They drafted two guys to help their secondary. They didn't lose anybody in their front seven. And so, for me, it seems like the messaging isn't getting through. Like, and then here's the biggest issue. Last year, they were the worst team in turning the ball over with their defense. This year, they're 24th in the league in turning the ball over with their defense. They've improved slightly. Here's the issue. 
Last year, they protected the ball on offense. This year, because Bienemy refuses to run the ball, 31st in rushing attempts, they're 30th in the league in turning the ball over. Oh, gosh. And, and with that, by the way, because um, I see this graphic up here in the side, Sam Howell leads the league in passing yards right now. He's the second shortest shot to have the most passing yards today. Dak Prescott, the favorite, at plus th- 250. But Sam is that high on the odds board because they run, they refuse to run the ball, and all they do is pass, and all that's done is get him in trouble as well in terms of those sack numbers that we already discussed here. Michael, we, we've only got a couple minutes left here, but in terms of the spread, has it gotten too out of hand? Like, are you still encouraging people to lay this number the way that it's gotten? No. I can't get there. Even even though... Me either. Is, I was going to encourage people to take Washington at 11. Yeah. See, what I was going to say is I, I liked the approach of if you want to get fun and get a plus money type of a prop here, you think that Dallas is going to win big, do like an alt minus 20 type of a thing. But the value on that has even gone down significantly if you wanted to do a pizza money bet from that standpoint, 13 and a half. And I think it might get to 14. It's this is just too much. But I, I think I'm just going to stay away from this game altogether because I don't know if I can trust Washington to do that even against the backdoor. Oh, you can't trust Washington. You know that. I mean, you're way smarter than that. They Look, crushed I me had last this game week, model. So. <laughs> in my model, this game was a 12.23 game. You know, and the, when the line was 11, I'm thinking, okay, you know, I can't take Washington. I'll take that's probably the right number. But now at 13 and a half, you're getting a point and a half of value because the market is in love with Dallas on 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 Thanksgiving Day and not even looking at the numbers about how they don't cover. 1 and 11, their last 12 on Thanksgiving. Uh, this season, though, the Cowboys have won four of their last five, while the Commanders have lost four of their last five. Dak has a 9 and 2 record against the Washington Commanders, 19 touchdowns and four interceptions in that time. And check out that tweet from Scott Barrett of the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Lists out each and every one of those games. Last year, 10 point favorite. Didn't cover, didn't get there. Two years ago, we remember against the Raiders, lost outright, didn't get there. We'll be right back on the Lombardi line talking about the nightcap, the San Francisco 49ers visiting Seattle. Be sure to visit vcin.com and check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving every game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every five minutes so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public's betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. We're always improving our betting splits and recently added soccer to the fold from all around the world. Betting splits, another way VSIN's here to make you a more informed, better year round. You can check out those betting splits for every game at vsin.com. I'm on the page right now looking at the nightcap coming up today. The 49ers laying seven in <laughs> Seattle against the Seahawks, total 43 and a half. This is a 520 Pacific, 830 Eastern kick on NBC. And we see, Michael, 77% mm-hmm. of the handle and vets laying it with the road favorite San Francisco 49ers. They are buying what the Niners have been selling coming out of the buy these last two weeks. Well, they've been good, right? They, you know, even even when they played Cincinnati before the buy, I mean, they gained over four. They outgained Cincinnati in, in that game. They turned it over. They made mistakes. But this offense is clicking. And that game was without Debo Samuel. Now with Debo back, they're really going places. And I think what we see from Seattle is their inability to really stay consistent within the game offensively and defensively. I mean, when you go back and watch them against Washington, they have a chance to, to really put Washington away. And they make make it a close game, have to kick a field goal to win it. Baltimore, they got blown out. I mean, Baltimore just came in and threw the ball, and, you know, basically Baltimore just stopped everything they were doing offensively, held them to 151 yards, couldn't run the ball. But for the most part, this Seattle team is resilient, but I just think there's something missing. Geno isn't playing nearly the same level that he played last year, and their pressure, they, their offensive line. I mean, look, let's be clear. When you're starting Jason Peters at tackle at 41 years old, are you really a good team? Yeah. I I think this is a mismatch in a lot of different areas. And even last year, Michael, when you talk about how Geno Smith isn't playing at the same level as he was a season ago, even last year, the 49ers swept them in all three games, including that wild card game in the playoffs. And I feel like, especially with Geno dealing with the tricep injury, I know 
he's going to play. You wonder how compromised he really is in this spot that they were questioning it as much as they are. They're without their lead rusher and Kenneth Walker today as well. And DK Metcalf, he's going to play, but he's a little bit compromised himself dealing with the toe and that nagging hip injury that he's had this season. Injury-wise for the 49ers, Talanoa Hufunga, unfortunately done for the season with a torn ACL. And that is a significant loss because if there's a weakness on this 49ers team, it's that secondary. But I don't think because of all of the things we just stated about Geno Smith and about the Seahawks offense right now that they're in prime position to really take advantage of that issue for San Francisco. I just I like the way that San Francisco offensively is clicking, the way that they get all of their weapons involved, the way that Brock Purdy is playing right now. And since they added Chase Young to that defensive front, it just made them that much tougher and more stout on that side of the ball. No question. And they put five down. And when you put five down as a defensive line, that makes the offensive line have to block one-on-one. And trying to block Bosa one-on-one is a challenge. Trying to block Chase Young, trying to block Eric Armstead inside, or, or Hargraves. I mean, those are hard things to do, and it's a really smart scheme to do that, is to rush five. When you have a bad line, you never want to rush three. You never want to rush four. You want to rush five all the time. That doesn't mean you're blitzing. It just means that you are willing to put them on a one-on-one situation, which is what San Francisco does against most every team. I think when you look at Seattle this season, what's most disappointing about what Pete Carroll, as he reviews the year, is his inability to stay within the run game. Right, his inability to establish that run game, and he's 28th in the National Football League in attempt in 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 rushing attempts. And you say, well, he wants to run the ball. Why can't he run the ball? Well, running the ball and doing and and keeping the game in the pace you want it to be really comes back to third down, right? When you're a bad third down team, which Seattle is, they rank 30th in the National Football League. You can't control the ball. So when you don't convert third downs, it's hard to stick with your run game. It's hard to stay there. If you're in a lot of third and twos, third and threes, and you don't convert, which Seattle is, it's a real issue. And when you're bad on third down offense, typically you're bad on third down defense, which is what Seattle is. And I think that's the biggest issue. You know, Seattle just can't get enough pressure. And as this game goes on, I think it'll be a little bit like the playoff game, right? That playoff game was close last year in San Francisco. And they had a chance, I think it was it was 24 to 17, and Seattle's driving. And remember, Geno fumbled, and the next thing you know, they went 41-23. Yep. I think that's what we're looking at today. This 49er team can overwhelm you with the volume of what they do. So that game is a great example, close until it wasn't. When you see this red sitting right. at 7 – and you see, think that that's the way that this game is going to play out, does that make you just want to stay away from this game? Because how how are they going to finish? Are they going to pull away? When you see that touchdown number, which way do you lean? Well, here's what I wrote in my notes. And, and I, what I try to do every morning when I get up is I try to go over the game. I look at the lines, and every day I have a different color of where the line is moving. And, you know, this line has has moved, has pretty much, it went to six and a half. It was at six, at six and a half with the uncertainty of Smith. It went to seven, comes back to six and a half. So it's been jockeying back and forth. It opened originally at five and it moved immediately to seven. And now it's been staying there. And what I wrote in my notes is, I think the seven number is a push number. Okay. I think if you play this, I think the game could be a push. See, I think just as contrast, the Bucks game on, sun, on Sunday against the Colts, they will not move that line to three. Even though the Bucks are not getting any money coming in on them, the, 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 the Colts, for whatever reason, are getting a ton of money on them, but they won't move that number to three because they know three is probably people will jump all over the Bucks. And there's sometimes where that, that number just looks like it's a push number. I think the seven here is a push number. Michael, look at you just reinforcing my thought process of the teaser. I know you're not a teaser guy, but you're helping my cause right now because you could do the six-point teaser, get it down to one, or you could do six and a half and just win, have it be that standpoint that way. Um, I paired the 49ers with the Lions, but I think there's a lot of options this week as well um, in play for teasers if you want to tease up some of those short dogs as well, get through the three and seven. Yep. You know what I think, too, Stormy? I think this. I think people have this perception that the Niners are not a good road team. I mean, when they were playing Jacksonville, do you remember we were doing that that week? Everybody, well, the Niners on the road, not good. They walk into Pittsburgh and dominate, right? 
you know, they go down to Los Angeles. It's a close game, kind of like this will be. Divisional games are typically close, and then they win by 10. You know, the Cleveland game is one you look at and say, wow, they blew that. But you have to factor the weather in, right? It's a little bit like I don't think we're giving enough credit to the weather on Monday night for Mahomes and for Jalen Hurts because I think that weather was severe. This weather in Cleveland we know was severe, right? And so I and think it still the 49ers are a really goal. good road it team. It still came down to a missed it's, field goal. Jake Moody makes that, and we're not even having this conversation the same way. And then what is this number if he makes that field goal? See, I think that's the question we don't ask enough as handicappers. What would that number be if he makes that field goal, right? I think when the Jets played the Chargers that week, you know, they're coming off the 13-10 win, which had no business being a win. And that number was ridiculous. The Jets aren't a good team. I think the last week's game, if you don't analyze that in terms of really forget the who won, is how it was played. I, I think you could make a huge mistake. A couple of trends for the people at home. Uh, home underdogs, 1-22 on Thanksgiving since 2005. So that favors San Francisco. Wow. Same thing with night favorites, 12-4, and four, clicking 75% ATS on Thanksgiving since 05. Road favorites of seven or more on Thanksgiving, 9-0 straight up, 8-1 and one against the number. I agree with you, though. This game specifically does feel like a push type of a number. That's why I like the idea of teasing it down, just making it easy on yourself, trusting the San Francisco is going to win this game. In terms of the total, it's gone up to 44 now, Michael. Night Thanksgiving unders, 11-5, 7-1 their last eight. And we know how primetime unders, the clip that they have been hitting this season has been Pretty, pretty ridiculous here. Do you have a lean one way or another on, on the total and how many points might go up in this one? You know, I think this, I, I, look, I know unders are the popular thing, especially in primetime. But to me, I think both teams, I think Seattle can move the ball. They have weapons. And I definitely think San Francisco will move the football. I mean, when you're talking about a 44-point game, you're saying the game is going to be in the low 20s for both teams. I think this is a 27-20 type of game. That puts it over. And, you know, Kyle is very good at attack. I mean, last year Kyle was 7-0 and against the NFC West, uh, straight up and against the spread. He dominated that last year. And so far this year he's 2-0. and Very, very successful against the division. Michael, if you had to guess the price on a Christian McCaffrey anytime touchdown, what's your guess? Uh, plus 200 minus 225. Everybody oh, like, the, I know the streak ended against the Jags. I loved his quote, by the way. Um, everybody. Yeah, I suck. Everybody on the team scored, but me, uh, still had 17 <laughs> games in a row, my guy. And he has picked it up again last week as well. He's back. And the betters are thinking that he's going to continue to get in the end zone. We've got to step aside when we come back here on Follow the Money, a special edition of No Way or No Doubt, diving into some big topics with our guy Michael when we return. Stay with us on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, 
know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you disagree with these takes? No way. Uh-uh, no way. Or do you approve? Oh, no doubts. No doubts. No doubt my mind. No diggity, no doubt. It's time to ask Michael Lombardi, no way or no doubt. <laughs> All right, looking at a number of the big topics around the National Football League, finding out whether or not we agree or disagree in this week's edition of No Way or No Doubt. And we are going to start by looking at these holiday games coming up today on Thanksgiving and Black Friday, Michael. No Way or No Doubt. One of the big touchdown plus favorites over the next two days is going to lose their game outright. What do you think? No way. No way. I, I, I know it's too chalky, and I know that, it, you know, having been in this world for five years and never placing a bet, I still, you know, I still tend to go back to my NFL background of handicapping games from a, from a front office standpoint, and I can't see any of these teams mounting a challenge. The only one, now cover your ears, Stormy, the Don't only you do one it. I could Don't see. Don't you do this to me. The. <laughs> I won't do it then. I mean, see, Seattle and, and San Francisco are closer than, let's say, the Jets in Miami. Let's say Washington and and, uh, and Dallas. And Green Bay injured with Detroit. So that's the only one. And Seattle playing at home. You know, we, we talk about Seattle being this great home field advantage. I mean, people go up there and move the ball effectively on them. I mean, Washington put 24 points on them up there. I know Washington can throw the ball and score, so that would be the only one, but I don't think it'll happen. No way. I'm just saying they've outscored Seattle 89 to 43 the last three meetings. Just so... throw it in there. Yeah, just, just, just saying. back it up. I'm yeah, telling there you, that's, you go. that's the next segment we need to create. Just just saying. Um, okay, let's get to the next just one. Saying. The Philadelphia Eagles, Michael, no way or no doubt, at nine and one through ten games, are the clear cut best team in the National Football League. I think they're the hardest team to beat. I think that's the answer. There's no doubt they're the hardest team to beat because they can play multiple ways, right? And what does that mean? That means if you try to take away their run, they can throw the football. If you think you're going to throw the ball on them, they can rush the passer well enough. They typically play really good run defense. They can play any style and win. Now, we're judging them too harshly because they dominated so much last year by dominating the second quarter. But when teams, what did I say all of last year? I kept saying they play a Gonzaga schedule. We don't know if they're resilient enough. Now this year, because they're resilient, we're criticizing them. It makes no sense to me at all. Philly is a hard team to beat. You better play 60 minutes. You better play really good in the fourth quarter. And you better make sure that you win first down against them. Because if it's third and short, they're Mariano Rivera. They're going to convert. Look, they are really good. I think San Francisco could beat them. I think Detroit could beat them. But when they beat them, it would be probably, you know, San Francisco, let's say it's they played 10 times, it would be five times. Detroit, if they played 10 times, I think Detroit could beat them twice out of 10. So I, I, this is a good team. They're hard to beat. 
Yeah, that's that's the thing about them this year for sure is that they have been finding ways to win. Yet their worst games are against the Commanders and the Jets. Something I'll never understand. Uh, they are the favorite, by the way, to win the NFC as well as the Super Bowl. Shortest shot off the board at plus 450. Now, Michael Brandon Staley was big mad at his press conference this week when he yeah. was asked about giving up potentially the defensive play calling duty. says his system works, but he was giving the aura of a man who feels like he knows he is on the chopping block sooner rather than later. No way or no doubt. Brandon Staley is coaching for his job this Sunday against the Ravens. No way this Sunday, but no doubt he's coaching for his job. I think it's a double answer. Okay. Uh, you know, because this situation, I don't see the span unless they feel like they'll make Kellen Moore the off the head coach, which I can't see. Kellen Moore's trying like hell to get involved with the Boise State job, his alma mater. Don't know if he can quite get that, but he's trying really hard. And you wonder how that's affecting the game planning because he's involved in that Boise State job. So, you know, and if the Spanos family knows that and they feel compelled, maybe that moves them a little bit. I doubt it. I think he's coaching for his job. Look, he got another year that most coaches won't get. I mean, I think the most two fortunate coaches in the league so far for me this year that haven't demonstrated their head coaches are Staley, who's gotten three years, and Salah, who's in his third year, and thinks he's going to get a fourth. I mean, Salah's going to get a fourth year, and he can't beat anybody in the AFC East, and yet he's going to get one. So I do think the end is near, and I think the Chargers front office believes this could eventually turn around. Maybe we'll start winning these close games. Why not play it out through the season? Luke, I'm going to throw a wrench in things here in terms of the order because he just teed us up to talk Jets. And, Michael, the Jets are 4-6 and six right now. They've dropped three straight and dropped Zach Wilson now to QB3. My question to you is no way or no doubt, no matter how bad it gets, the Jets coaching staff gets a mulligan this year because of the Aaron Rodgers of it all. No doubt. I mean, what happens? Let's play it through, Stormy. If, say, they end up 4-11 and 11 or 4-13, four and, four and 13, which they should probably end up doing, or 5-12, and 12, right? You know, you got, you got $70 million or $55 million guaranteed to Rodgers next year. And he's pretty much dictated what they've done, whether it's signed Tim Boyle, whether it's signed Randall Cobb, whether it's signed Billy Turner. I mean, he's been part general manager here, too, now. No, let's not forget that. So if you go in and clean out this staff, which – all indications based on what's happening, you might think about it. Uh, you may have a hard time convincing, you know, Rodgers has got to play. He's guaranteed, but he may not be happy. And, and I think if you call anybody in Green Bay, Rodgers unhappy isn't a very good thing. So I do think there's no doubt they'll be back. I'm not sure how that's that's the case. I really don't. Well, and even with all the offensive issues and the offensive line issues, because Aaron Rodgers is coming back, it's not like you can even just move off of Nathaniel Hackett because that's Rodgers' guy. All right. Oh, one, no. One no. From a former MVP to maybe this year's MVP, no way or no doubt, Michael, Brock Purdy deserves to be an MVP frontrunner. Why is he not getting respect? Because people see him as a seventh-round pick, and it's just so unfair. I mean, I went through it this week in preparing for shows. You know, he's got 70% completion. His yards per attempt is 9.7 up from last year, you know, and and, and up from 6.8.1. He's improved his accuracy three points. He's 67.1% last year. He's up to 72 you know, and he starts fast in the first half. He really plays well. You know, he averages 73% completions. He gets nine touchdowns, no interceptions in the first half. And so, and he's 18-2 and two touchdown to interception ratio. What more does a guy have to do? Why do we constantly say two is an MVP candidate, but we don't mention that Tyreek Hill, who's responsible for 40% of the first downs gained passing, and yet, we don't give him credit, but we say, well, it's Debo Samuel for Brock Purdy. It's such two sides of your mouth. Brock Purdy deserves to be in the conversation. Has he had a bad game? Yes. C.J. Stroud's had a bad game, too. I hate to break that news to you. He threw for 113 yards against the Carolina Panthers, right? I mean, last week he threw three red zone interceptions. But people take these turnovers like it's no big deal. Oh, it's okay. Justin Fields fumbled at the end of the game. That's no big deal. He played really well. No, he fumbled at the end of the game when they had a chance to win the game. How is that good? He played way better in the first three and a half quarters, but he fumbled. Our perspective of how we're evaluating these players is so out of sorts. 
And because Purdy's a seventh rounder and Fields is a first rounder and two is a first rounder, there's some bloodline that goes with it. And it's unfair. It really is. I heard Jay Croucher say it first, but a number of people saying it as well. Like you give all those stats out, Michael, that you did, but you changed the name from Brock Purdy to Joe Burrow, or you changed the name from Brock Purdy to Josh Allen. It's a completely different conversation. He is 15 to one right now in the MVP odds. Um, but yeah, you talk about him having. Do you a remember bad this game. summer? Do you remember this summer when I tweeted out Davis Mills numbers to Justin Fields' yep. number? The outrage that went on on Twitter. Yep. And yet, if we did it again, it would be the same. I mean, there are some cases where the numbers tell a story. And if you're not willing to accept the story, if you're trying to find Look, if he throws an interception in the first quarter up in Seattle tonight, you know, people are going to – Twitter will go, see, I told you. There's that Trey Lance element, too, that hurts Purdy. Because there's so many people that wanted Trey Lance to be a star. They will not accept Purdy as not a good player. Well, the people on this show are not one of them. Uh, Last one real quickly, Michael. No way or no doubt, turkey is the best Thanksgiving dish. Mm, uh, Yeah, I mean, we eat turkey all the time now. We used to never do that. I would say no doubt. I mean, I'll give it to you. You say no doubt? No. I I say no way. I, I think I say no way, too. I agree with that. I think to me... You got to have some kind of pasta in this in this day. There's if you don't have a pasta on the plate today, Spoken you're just like really a not true right. Mambo Italiano. Uh, we'll, we'll dive into that <laughs> conversation a little bit more. We got to step aside on Follow the Money. Keep it locked right here on Vsin the Sports Betting Network. Oh hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast Climbing in Heels is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there. I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.